0: Hi, I'm Jake Parker, and this is my podcast, Beyond Fit. My goal is to help you live a happier and healthier life by providing actionable knowledge and advice about a wide range of health and fitness topics, as well as self-improvement. If you want to find out more about me, visit my website, jake-parker.com. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hey guys, this is Jake. Thanks for joining me again for another podcast. As you may or may not have seen, I recently announced that all of the podcasts will start going out at 5 a.m. on Mondays and Saturdays, so hopefully, right when you wake up, you can listen to a new podcast on those two days. I'm excited to bring that level of consistency. So what you're about to hear is my podcast with David Allen. He wrote the book, Getting Things Done which more than a book is really a methodology and a way of going about life. David talks about organizing your life universally as far as instilling all the various parts of your life together instead of compartmentalizing. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I thought that this book was going to be a bit too rigid when I first picked it up and read the first few pages. But what I realized that is just like David talks about in this interview, it's all about creating a clear mind and helping even the most creative or right brain thinking type person to get a better grasp on going about the different tasks and things they want to improve. So I think you'll get a lot out of this podcast. I'm really glad that David was able to come on. I actually heard him mention that he's done over 2,000 interviews when I heard him on Tim Ferriss's podcast. So I thought, hey, why not reach out and see if you would come on my podcast. So it just speaks to my ambition to kind of swing for the fences with these big guests that are important people like David that have wrote really impactful books. So I plan on continuing to do that in the future and without further ado, I really hope you enjoy listening. Hi guys, this is Jake Parker back on the Beyond Fit podcast. So recently, if you've been keeping up with the things I've been talking about, I like to talk about the books I read and the things that I'm thinking about and trying to learn. And one of those things that's come up a lot is David Allen's book, getting things done and in a more broad sense, just his methodology of getting things done. And so I heard David on Tim Ferriss's podcast and he expressed that he has been doing a lot of different interviews based around his book and I thought it'd be fun to try to have him on the podcast, talk a little bit about his methodology in my own context and just some broader questions I had about it and about his life. So. Um, I will let David go ahead and say hi on his end and just say again that I'm happy to have him here and I appreciate you being on.
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Jake. Thanks for the invitation. So hello, everybody. Happy to be here. Happy to share whatever I can.
0: All right. So I think that the first thing I thought I wanted to mention that was really the most interesting to me is I sort of fought some resistance getting into the book at first because I look at myself as such a you know creative person and open thinker and at first the book kind of seemed like it was going to be a little bit too direct and you know very very defined edges and stuff like that and I thought what was really interesting is that you mentioned multiple times throughout the book it's like the more creative someone is or the more of a free thinker they consider themselves it becomes more important. It almost seems paradoxical if you think about it in the most traditional sense, but it, it's more important the more creative you are to have those barriers in your life and to have that organization. Uh, you use the phrase often, mind like water. So can you describe why it's important for creative people or for you know people that like to consider themselves free thinkers to have a lot of organization structure to their life?
1: Do you have a car? I do, yep. And you drive down the road whenever Mm -hmm. you can go driving. Do you like the center line in the road?
0: I do, yes. Why? Um, It keeps me safe and keeps me uh, knowing that I'm safe from other people.
1: So it allows you to think about other things while you're driving. Mm -hmm. So you've got a constraint, you've got a structure called a line in the middle of the road. And yet it gives you more freedom to be doing creative, spontaneous thinking, as opposed to wondering whether someone is going to hit you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's the big, uh,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: right. The structure created freedom. So anybody that says structure is going to inhibit freedom is just you know, kidding themselves. So you just need as much structure as you need. So, so you stay free that's how I came up with this. I'm a, I'm a spontaneous kind of guy. You meet me, you hang out with me. You're going kind to of go, wow, this guy's not a button down OCD, you know, corporate type. I'm, yeah. I, I like to follow my spontaneous intuitive hunches to do whatever I feel like doing. So that's my style. And that's how I came up with this because I discovered that if you don't do this, it then starts to limit your ability to be spontaneous and creative.
0: Yeah. That was by far my my favorite takeaway. As I as I continue to read the book and look into other things that you talked about or posted online, it's 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 interesting because you are such a, a free thinking and like you said spontaneous person. And I think that you know the 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 first impression that I got. And, you know, for better or worse, we always have these when we pick up a book, I kind of saw you as, oh, this is a very corporate type of thing. You know, it's a very, like I said, a rigid sort of thing. But I was so interested, especially hearing your interview with Tim Ferriss, it it was so interesting to hear you expand on how the Getting Things Done methodology got started and your experience uh, growing up and having a lot of experiences along the line of kind of like spirituality. You talked about things like meditation and Sort of you and Tim kind of ripped a little bit on like Eastern practices and things of that nature. So, how big of a role um, did it play in for you in like finding out this methodology and what was the process as far as you know getting getting the the ins and outs of it defined for yourself?
1: Yeah, well, that's a <laughs> that's a big question, Jake. So, uh, I'll try to give you as short an answer as I can. Um, you know, I've always been interested in sort of discovering, you know, God, truth and the universe, you know, what mm-hmm. makes all this work, you know? So I've, I've, I've had a curiosity about that that's taken lots of different forms in my 74 years, you know, in, in exploring you know, what that's about. But that was my primary interest and also my interest in just a sense of freedom. I, I don't like being constrained. And so over the years, as I've discovered, um, you know, I, I explored a lot of stuff that gave me a lot of different internal experiences, experiences of freedom, experiences of, of peace and flow and all that good stuff. You know, I got a black belt in, in karate in my twenties. And uh, you know, all that sort of taught me that there, there, are, there are places to get to where you don't have to change who you are or, or you, don't have to be, you don't have to go through any necessarily transformational experiences to experience a lot more cool, cool stuff. Mm -hmm. In terms of how you want to be, how you want to feel, how you want to, you know, just just sort of how you want to be, if you will. And, uh, you know, as I mentioned in the book, most people, I I think don't catch it, but I almost start the book with that, like being and doing are very closely tied together Mm that that if. On this level, if you want to be into a being state, that sort of wonderful flow, internally, I'm on, I'm connected to the universe. You know, everything's cool. God's on his throne,
0: mm-hmm. all
1: that good stuff. That you actually can't do that without doing. That there's a doingness that has to be involved. That's why people in flow state, whether it's a rower or a or martial artist or uh, or anybody, even a, a painter or a pianist or whatever, that that. That the flow happens when they are actually doing, but mm. doing in a certain context. So, you know, I just, you know, it, it got fascinating to me about tying together those two things: the doing and the beingness. And so, you know, I, I, I wasn't really uh, sort of out of control. That's not how I really discovered this. I discovered sort of the value of what it's, of clear space, really, how cool it is to have nothing on your mind or to be present. And mm-hmm. I uh, discovered that in the martial arts, also, also in meditative practices, spiritual practices, et cetera. And so, as I got into you know, a more complex professional world, you know, I started my own consulting practice back in 1981, 82, uh, that uh, it was, I got really hungry to find things that kept me uh, free and focused and clear uh, as my life got more complex. And then I found techniques for that. So I got, I was just very curious about that and loved the experience of being able to get into the flow state as best. I I don't know if that I could have described it back then that way. Uh, But in retrospect, now that that's become a fairly popular concept, I'd say, yeah, that's, that's sort of what I discovered. And then I discovered techniques that work for myself. And then I turned around and, uh, Used them for all of my consulting clients. And it turned out that the techniques that I'd come up with and the best practices and principles um, worked exactly the same thing for them as it did for me. Created more of a sense of stability, more of a sense of control, more of a sense of freedom, more of a sense of, of, of greater space to be thinking about cool stuff. So yeah, and, a very, that's a very short version of a very long story, Jake.
0: Mm-hmm. And the other thing that stuck with me is you, you mentioned so often in the book that like, it's the things that you talk about and the things that you try to help people implement are definitely not novel to the human condition. It's really just in line with our natural state. Your brain wants to create this external mind and your brain and, and your, your being desires this structure. And so really a lot of what you're doing is just kind of, like you say, helping us align our being with our doing. It's, it's not this foreign thing that you try to implement and that's why I think that if you're committed to it it's it's not hard to implement because the more you the more you do it the more you find that you kind of create the positive momentum where you go oh yeah see this is working in my life and this is in line with the way I think already but doing the technical things that that you talk about are are what's going to like you say just help you be more yourself and it's it's I think that the the coolest thing to me was just realizing that it is really in line with what we do naturally
1: yeah that's it's a, a strange paradox too and Jake I've often, I've wondered that over all these years it's like that I actually identified something that we all do in a way naturally like you say and yet we're not born doing it mm-hmm. you know and 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 once you become more conscious of what the principles and the practices are, you can do them with more elegance and more consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, for instance, keeping stuff out of your head.
0: Yeah. Everybody,
1: everybody knows how to make a list.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, anybody
1: Listening to this at some point has made a list and felt better. Mm-hmm. Right? So if, they, if anybody reverse engineered how that happened, they'd never keep anything in their head the rest of their life. I mean, why, if you feel better without your world changing other than externalizing what your thoughts are so you can see them in a more objective way, then why don't you do that about your whole life? Mm-hmm. And very few people do.
0: Yeah, and there's almost no one who doesn't, you know, make lists if it's a, a shopping list or a list of what they want to do in their job or, you know, what they're going to do on a trip. I think that that's, that's evidence right there that it's a natural condition. And no matter who well, it
1: in, is, anybody who keeps a calendar, Jake, mm-hmm. has already said your head can't do it. The reason people actually work a calendar is because the price of missing an appointment is too. high painful.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just keep being reminded of one of the things I try to always go back to in my life is uh, Jocko Willink has the phrase and he has a book by the name where it's just discipline equals freedom. And so it almost is another one of those things that seems paradoxical at first glance, but the more disciplined you can be with your life, you know, putting in practice things that are important to your health and your mental clarity and just like is everything about getting getting things done, the methodology and book. It's about offering the structure, just like I talked about at the beginning, to allow for that freedom and to allow for more clarity in your life.
1: Sure. Well, people often say, you know, I often say I'm one of the laziest people you ever met. Mm -hmm. People say, well, gee, David, you got a black belt in karate. That doesn't sound lazy. Yeah, but if you're actually put in the discipline, you put in the work to get to that point, you can mm-hmm. walk across the room with less effort than anybody, mm-hmm. right? So it's a it's, it, it just to your point that that you know, uh, freedom ain't free.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that that also speaks to the importance of habit and routine because once you start doing these things and once you make them more automatic, it's it's easy and it's just something that you do that becomes a part of you. Going back to that being, I think that. It's 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 often evidenced by looking at whoever you see is successful in your life or whoever you want to look up to and emulate. They get that way not because of single feats of, you know, heroism or anything like that, but it's these constant routines and habits. And so that's what I'm really focused on trying to help people achieve and really put into my own life. And well, I think
1: I think it was Picasso that said something like, Inspiration is for amateurs. Mm-hmm
0: hmm Just showing up day after day. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about that. I think I want to say that. So Stephen Pressfield was on my podcast uh, a week or two ago, and I think he might have mentioned that same quote. But we talked about, you know, as far as writing, it's just showing up and just doing the writing. And so many people will will say the same sort of thing. Any successful writer, it's like you don't get that one stroke of brilliance and then write your whole book. You just try to show up to the to the you know in the past maybe like the the pad and paper but now it's more so going to be like the computer but just show but
1: but in chair mm-hmm. boot computer hit mm-hmm. key yeah,
0: yeah and that's it's it it speaks to like the the motivation factor too so many people i i tried to dispel um thinking that we have to be motivated because i know that i i try to feel that way a lot of times about working out that's something i've gotten a really good habit about and i've just come to realize that the motivation isn't always going to be there, but just the act of getting in and doing sort of creates that momentum on its own. Even if sure. you don't have that motivation to start,
1: yeah, yeah, it's just engage. Mm-hmm. You know, like the old Top Gun. You know, engage, engage. Mm-hmm. You know, engage, engage. You just need to get involved. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the word discipline. Discipline sounds like hard work. Yeah, you know? I'm not into hard work. Mm-hmm. I like the word direction. All you have to do is direct yourself to pick up the weights, to put on your gym clothes. You mm-hmm. have to just direct yourself. And with GDD and then my getting things done methodology, you, just, you don't break a sweat by deciding a next action on, a, on an email. Mm-hmm. You just need to direct yourself to that kind of thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: the, the, the thought process, which getting things done by methodology really identified, which is outcome and action thinking. You know, what are you trying to accomplish? And what is, what's the next step you need to take to get from here to there? You know? yeah. And that's that thinking. Again, it's a natural way that we do a lot of stuff that's quite simple in our lives. But as our lives get more complex, then people, you know, do not do that naturally or automatically. You actually have yeah. to train yourself. It's a cognitive muscle you actually have to train.
0: Mm-hmm. My other... What a big takeaway from the book, or one of the parts I really enjoyed is that you really put an emphasis on not judging what it is that's on your mind and pulling at your attention. I think that that's something that happens a lot for people where, you know, maybe the one thing that's on their mind is you always, I've heard you talk multiple times of like, oh, I need to get dog food. And sometimes people think, oh, that's such a silly small thing. Like, I don't have to write that down. I don't have to put that on my list in my calendar. It's small. It's easy to remember. But you make the point that to attain that mind-like water, to attain that clarity and the, the clear mind, you need to note down everything. And that has as much importance as a top priority at work if it's on your mind.
1: Well, if it's on your mind, that means you're not appropriately engaged with it and it'll start mm-hmm. to take more energy than it deserves. I mean, I need dog food. If that pops into your head twice, you're inappropriately engaged with your dog. Mm-hmm. You wake up three at three o'clock in the morning. Go, oh damn! I need dog food. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When you can't buy dog food at three o'clock in the morning in bed, right? Silly, silly thing to be doing. But you're you're right. I mean, to that point, that's an important thing. That's you know somehow it took me a lot of years to really discover that most people actually don't naturally do that, Mm -hmm. and that there actually is something that you need to learn and a process that you need to actually apply and go through to. Uh, Get that clear mind. You can do as much mindfulness and focus on your breathing and meditation that you want, but if you still need dog food, if you don't put it on a post-it on the door of your refrigerator, that whoever's going to go to the store will get dog food, it's going to still pop into your mind. Then you're going to have to work at trying to keep your mind focused on whatever it's focused on while it's meditating, as opposed to dog food. Well, come on, why don't you just handle the dog food thing? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's much easier to do than, than be in those kind of reflective or meditative states.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And along those lines, you have these words that you define specifically that stick out to me. The, the first one is just work, anything you want to be different than it currently is. And so making that part of your priority too, I think is helpful in integrating, you know, your work, your things you want to be changed in your lifestyle, as far as your, health, family, relationships, it's all work. And I think that it's interesting how you define that and then project and action too. Action just being something that you can do, that you can take a step on, and a project being something that you're working on that's also in like the very broad context of life, work, health, family, it's its just, you, you're very integrative. And I think that that's important too because that is how our minds work.
1: Indeed, yeah, there's no compartmentalizing inside of your head. Mm -hmm. A lot of people do a pretty good job of saying, I leave work, I leave work at work and I go home. Then I'm just focused on my, my personal life. But to a large degree, I've seen that's they're kidding themselves. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Actually your best ideas about work don't happen at work. Your best ideas about what to do with your family do not happen while you're in with your family. Your best ideas happen in weird and strange places that, Are not usually where you're going to apply that idea or actually do something about it. So, to be universal in terms of how you recognize things that pop into your mind that are potentially meaningful to you that you need to, that you've told yourself you should decide or do something about, then that's absolutely necessary that that happens anywhere, anytime. There's no boundary about how you manage that.
0: Yeah, shower thoughts. Everyone knows shower thoughts. <laughs> you know, you think of most random things and sure. it just speaks to, you kind of have to just have that space to think, that, that boredom. And that's one of the reasons I like to try to go on walks. And a lot of times it's a good time for me to like listen to an audio book or a podcast, but sometimes I'll just, if I know I have a lot kind of in the back of my mind, I'll just go on a walk with nothing to do with no agenda and just... Uh, maybe a piece of paper to write stuff down on, because that's when my brain kind of plays catch-up.
1: Sure. That's what, and The, the brain science, the cognitive science researchers now know that your mind needs time to integrate.
0: Mm-hmm. You,
1: you need to stop thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: actually need to daydream. You need to, you need to sleep enough. You need to take mm-hmm. naps. You need to get up every 90 minutes and walk around at least for five minutes and stop your brain and you know, give your brain a rest because there's a very important part of your brain called the archive part of your brain that uh, integrates all that stuff. That's why sleep is so important. And that's why they've now proven that sleeping on a problem is, you know, gives you better results. Mm -hmm. Uh, You still have to focus on, you still have to have an intention to solve the problem, but sleeping on it gives your mind the ability to then go out beyond your preconditioning and then be able to knit things together and create relationships that are kind of outside your conditioned norms. That's why those many times those best ideas show up in those kind of random moments, but you need to, re- you need to rest. The The problem is, is, is that people don't implement the methodology I came up with. Their brain keeps racing over stuff they can't do anything about. And it's very hard for the mind to rest, you know, when all that spin is still happening because as soon as you tell yourself you need to do something or would, could, should, ought to do or decide something about anything, little or big, if it's just in your head, it keeps spinning all the time. Subliminally, anyway, that's what creates, you know, as I've discovered in the last, you know, two or three years that, it, you know, I always talk about people have a sense of being overwhelmed. They actually don't. If you did, you'd solve it. Right you're overwhelmed if your are build, building you know catches on fire, you're overwhelmed, and therefore you go handle that, you go survive, you go get outside of it. The biggest problem is what I now identify as ambient anxiety you're and it's the biggest issue most people have to implement what I teach is their willingness to still tolerate ambient anxiety, which means this vague sense that there would be, could be, should be, ought to be stuff you might, ought, might, should, ought to be doing as opposed to whatever you're doing. So you're not present anywhere. You're being constantly pulled and distracted by the subliminal pull or push that's going on inside your head. I need dog food. I needed, uh, should I get divorced? Uh, I need to hire a vice president of marketing. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I would love to learn how to paint. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, yeah, and all of all of that stuff, and that's why externalizing all that makes everybody feel
0: better. And I think that that starts to touch on the fact that a lot of people realize that today more than ever we're as as a whole overprescribed medications, whether it be things you know along the lines of ADHD medications to combat that, or things like. Uh, medication to combat uh, combat depression, anxiety, I think a lot of times it is a serious issue and it can be something helped with medication, but I think a lot of times it's just lack of having systems in place that you can use to gain control of your mind and gain control of your focus, uh, such as a system like this.
1: I'm certainly not an expert in that area, so don't mm-hmm. don't take any of this as any kind of prescriptive stuff. But we certainly had a lot of people who've been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD that once they implemented this methodology, did not they could get off Ritalin. They could. Yeah. They, they they didn't have to have that uh, necessity, and you know, and those kind of drugs, especially for people with attention uh, issues, what what those drugs do is they actually speed up your sequential processor your ability to be able to stop and focus down on detail. So they speed that up. That's Mm -hmm. why it's funny because, you know, people think, well, gee, you know, uh, if I get sped up, wouldn't I be more ADD or ADHD? No, not necessarily. Because what it's speeding up is the thing that keeps you uh, focused on something in its detail and its finality as Mm -hmm. opposed to allowing yourself to be distracted. I didn't know that either. I mean, I'm, I'm just, you know, quoting. People who mm-hmm. do know that area, you know, and who who are good in that in, in that field, so yeah. So, you know, there there still may be things that you need to address about all of that uh, that that might need pharmaceutical or other kinds of 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 help. But for the most part, a lot of people just have attention deficit because they're so distracted by so many things, and you can get rid of that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's funny that you, you touched on relationships just now, too, where that's something that pulls on your attention. I remember there's, a, I don't know if you've ever heard of the blog Wait But Why by Tim Urban. Right. Uh, was, I was watching his, his TED Talk, and he, the TED Talk is titled Why Procrastinators Procrastinate. And he was essentially, he's kind of a satirical writer about things like this. And he talks about us having an instant gratification monkey in our head and a panic monster in anyway. I remember watching his TED talk and him saying that, you know, people can procrastinate anything from work stress to things that they want to change in their life. And he said something along the lines of, you know, you might procrastinate getting out of a bad relationship. And I was like, oh man, it kind of hit me because that was something that I definitely resonated with. You don't think of procrastination in terms of overall things in your life, you know, thinking about getting a divorce or thinking about ending a relationship. but that is part of that whole integrated system that's how your mind works and if you push off thinking about something serious like that it's going to give you that anxiety and stress as well
1: sure no no it's it's really true and and you know the control is the the greatest human addiction really and the greatest human fear is the fear of being out of control i mean you didn't wake up this morning jake and say wow i can't wait to be an incompetent jerk today Mm -hmm. you know there's some part of you that just, and me too, you know, that that we all sort of need that sense that we've got life under control, not controlling it, like try to control the weather or your kids or your boss or, you know, good luck. It's about having something under control, like your car while you're driving it or your kitchen while you're cooking dinner. You know, I need to have this situation under control enough so I can do so I can be effective and do what I want to do. So, but the, 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 the fear of losing control, that's why most people procrastinate, is because they're usually procrastinating about something that they don't feel like they can engage with successfully right away. Yeah. Well, how am I going to approach getting a divorce? Oh, God. You know, i know, we have to talk to this person I don't like.
0: Yeah. And it's one yeah. of those things. It's like, well, Thanksgiving and Christmas is coming up, so I can push that conversation until next year. Yeah, it's right. It's like I have this and this and it 's tough, but once you do address those sort of things you you do feel better because you start to gain that locus of control back correct I think correct. that that 's one of the things I try to focus on to uh, when i when I started my sort of online journey, i guess so to speak, in just trying to share with people. It was really all about fitness and the physical nature of fitness, but I came to want to focus much more on people 's Internal landscapes and mind and feelings because I think that something I've come to especially be focused on in my own life is yes, it's always important to keep your physical fitness and keep that as a priority. But if you have that but lack, you know, mental clarity, lack feeling emotionally stable, then you really aren't a healthy person. And I think I'm on the lines of procrastination. A lot of times we are ignoring things but it's it's subconscious so if if you don't bring it to the surface you can kind of have these feelings of angst but not really be sure about it and this is more specifically in the context of like we just talked about a relationship that's not really going right but you don't want to address it so you don't let that subconscious thing come to the surface or something like maybe someone's stuck in a job that they don't like but it pays well and they have friends there and so they don't start to think about what it would look like to leave I think I don't. I don't know exactly where the question is here. I'm realizing, I guess, but it's so interesting to me how sometimes these subconscious things, like you talk about, that come up when you're bored, when you're when you're not thinking, when you're taking a break, are what really is is pulling on our minds, but you don't always realize that cognitively in your in your day. Well, day-to-day.
1: yeah. Well, having a mind like water gets more and more subtle. Yeah. The way I say it is that once you actually pay appropriate attention to what has your attention, you'll find out what really has your attention. Yeah. Which, by the way, when you appropriately engage with, will then open you up to find out what really has your attention. Which, by the way, once you handle really well, will then let you know what really has your attention. So there's a big onion to unpeel in terms of getting to getting to real clarity you know, about your life. You know, and to, to your point too that you bring up and, and very prescient of you to recognize that is that the, uh, you know, our mission is basically to create a world where there are no problems, only projects. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a problem with the relationship, what's your project? What's your desired outcome? Wow. Oh God. I think I'd like to have resolution with this person. Fabulous. Now you have a project. Write that on your project list. Okay. Get resolution with person X. What's your next action? Oh God, what do I need to do next? You know, I don't talk to my friend who did this, or you know, I need to I need to go do some research and whatever, or I need to get a counselor, or I need yada yada. Mm-hmm. So basically what the getting things done methodology does is no matter how subtle or sublime things are that have your attention, it gives you a methodology to do that. What's your desired outcome? What's your next action? You know, to move toward that, you know, making that outcome happen. And that can happen at the most subtle levels. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a good way to put it is just like peeling back the layers of the onion. I think a lot of times we can create noise and stress that isn't really necessary and kind of catastrophize so that we don't have to go deeper where it's like, oh, how could I be expected to focus on this deep underlying issue when I have this, this and this at work, I have this, this and this you know, I have to go to the store, I have to plan this vacation. And so you stay on that outer layer and you prevent yourself from going in deeper.
1: Sure. Because, well, that's why, the, you, know, the, you know, the, the, the busy syndrome, the busy mm-hmm. trap, you know, let me get busy to avoid my life.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that said, there's the other flip of that, the other flip of that coin, which says sometimes people shouldn't focus on the big stuff. They need to go clean the toilet. Mm-hmm. In other words, they- their day-to-day is out of control. And so think, trying to think about bigger stuff, you know, is going to be just create more frustration and guilt. So sometimes the best thing to do is go handle all that stuff that has your attention. Yeah. So why are you allowing yourself to be distracted by dog food and the dirty toilet or mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is? Go handle those things. Then the, then the issue is once you get clear, once those are handled, you know, you know now what's the next level you need to get clear about?
0: Yeah yeah it reminds me jordan peterson has the clean your room principle where he says you know if you don't have a clean environment often it's a a syndrome of something is 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 cluttered in your mind and so that externalizes itself and then in the same breath you you go okay well i have to focus on on cleaning things up and doing x y and z so if if that has your attention like like we kind of talked about it it pulls on you so it keeps you from going deeper
1: Yeah. So go get engaged, roll Mm -hmm. up your sleeves, clean up your room.
0: Mm -hmm. I think that something that, that I'm reminded of too, you mentioned counseling and sometimes something we know is going to have such a high impact, but it's hard to either come to terms with the fact that we need counseling, you know, there's stigmas around it, something that's of that nature. Like I can remember personally, I went through counseling for a number of months and it was so helpful, but there was a number of months before that, that I just kept creating these these artificial barriers to why I shouldn't do it. I was like, "Oh, I have to call my insurance and figure out who's covered and figure out what counselor to go to." It's like I can't do all that stuff, and that that was a good example for me of just pre- preventing myself from doing something important with these minute tasks that really don't take much effort, but I I just pretended like we're we're there,
1: right? Sure, and you know I. I one of the things I say, by the way, I, I've just created 20, 25 two minute tips for turbulent. Oh, times. yeah. I was looking
0: at some of those on your YouTube. Yeah.
1: And one of them is, uh, you know, one, one rotten apple spoils the barrel, mm-hmm. which is one thing in your life that you're not appropriately engaged with makes your whole life feel overwhelming. Right. And it's funny because you haven't identified, you haven't compartmentalized that thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, how do I handle that thing? So that I'm still having fun with my dog and still exercising and enjoying it or whatever, because you haven't isolated what that thing is and you know and and applied the the cognitive methodology of what's the outcome you want, what's the next action you need to take, get back in the driver's seat. Don't let that rotten apple spoil a whole
0: barrel. Hmm. Yeah, and that's that's so true too because oftentimes, you know say, it could be something as simple as if you want to paint your bedroom and you have been not writing it down and not taking the next action, finding out what color would look good, going to the home improvement store, you know, whatever it is. So, you know, if you're not taking that next action, a lot of times that's what's pulling on you. And so it's allowing you to be less effective at work. It's allowing you to be less present with your spouse or whatever it is. I think that that's like I, like i said i love these words action work and project especially are the ones i remember defining that and realizing that anything you want to change is important and, and it's important to get it out of your mind
1: yeah and uh, i know you know the guy who wrote deep thinking or deep whatever that is sort of criticized the GTD process because he said you know well i just focused too much on the details and doesn't give you deep thinking but the problem is if you don't deal with the details of your life, deep thinking is very hard to do. Mm-hmm. Very hard to get to that space to do it. And oftentimes there's, as I call it, the magic and the mundane. Go start to handle the mundane stuff and watch how many cool things pop into your head.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's so true.
1: Out beyond all that.
0: Mm-hmm. So one of the other interesting things that I took away is just the fact that you're very focused on Thinking about all the aspects of your life in terms of your values and that's something I really try to do too so would you say that the getting things done methodology is at the same time focused on like you said peeling back the layers of that onion and getting down to what your values are but also just thinking about your values in terms of what's important to you and what's important to getting things done I guess how do, how do you look at that as far as someone that does or does not have their values defined and how important that is in the methodology.
1: Well, our methodology doesn't tell people what they should be doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, the, the, that's a bit of a difference about you know, our approach versus a lot of the other approaches, which is that um, we deal with what's true, not with what you think should be true. So you know what's true, Jake? Uh, what should you be doing? You, you may have the shoulds in there, in which case that may be a, just a reality Call hey, here are my shoulds, write them down. Great. But we're not telling you what you, sh- what you should be thinking or how you should be thinking. We're giving you a process that says, if you want clarity, you need to then identify the things that have your attention. If anything has is on your mind, so you have a lot of values you don't need to think about because they're on cruise control. You know, I look around the, your background here. Now I'm seeing, you know, you, you've got a certain level of cleanliness. Mm-hmm. As long as it's there,
0: mm-hmm. it
1: doesn't bother you. It's not on your mind. Yeah. So, so you've got that value. The The trick would be is like there's something that bothers you. Why? Well, because I think we should be doing X, Y, or Z, or I think we should handle this in a different way, or I think we should manage. We're great. All I have to do is identify what that is. Great. Would you like to have true? So you will have values; they're going to be there anyway. Uh, so th- that's why you have lists. That's why you've come up with stuff you need to do because you think you have things that are important to you, things that you consider, you know, that's that's good for me to do. You know, in your line of work, obviously, health and fitness and so forth are high values to you, and you want to share that with other people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's some level of sharing with other people that's a value to you, as well as maintaining your own health and fitness that are valued to you. But you don't have to think about those usually mm-hmm. unless there's something that's off. And so identifying what those values may be and then evaluating yourself to say, okay, it, across my whole life and work or whatever, am I up to speed with my value about, you know, am I spending a quality of time with my kids or with my family? Am I spending mm-hmm. enough quality time in developing myself? Am I spending enough time to keep my network you know, alive and well out there in terms of friends and relationships. Am I spending enough time with my own spiritual work? You know, whatever. Mm -hmm. We don't tell people they should do that. We just say, what's not clear yet for you? Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. It's like, we still, we still, we do
1: this work for nine year olds and 10 year olds. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: They don't need to think at necessarily at those levels though. Interestingly, many of them had those levels and are, are pretty conscious about them. But We just say, what's in your pack that you got from your teacher that your mom needs to sign, right? Now, that doesn't sound like one of the most serious things in life, and yet it is because if they don't handle that, then they're not in the driver's seat. They're going to be the victim of their mom's upset that she didn't sign a form, that now the kid can't go on the school trip, yada, yada, yada. So the kid needs to get in the driver's seat about their life, but it doesn't really matter at what level they do that. So you can take that at the most mundane level, but you can also then, you know, to your point, take it to some of the most sublime levels. It's yeah. just up to you. Do you have a, are you really clear? Are you totally present? If you're not, see, but that's, that's my own, that's my only criteria about priorities. What do I need to do to get my head clear? What's on my mind right now? Because there's usually an inverse relationship between on your mind and getting done. Yeah. If it's on your mind, that means you're probably not yet appropriately engaged with it. You haven't decided exactly what you want to accomplish with it and park some reminder of that in an appropriate place that you'll be reminded of as on a consistently regular basis. And or you haven't figured out what the very next step is you need to take to move the needle on it to get closure. Or you haven't parked a reminder of that in some appropriate place you trust. So you know, I don't have to change anything I say and anything I've come up with, no matter where I am, how old you are, no matter where you are in the world. There's no, there's no bias to the uptake to this methodology in terms of gender, in terms of age, in terms of professional level, in terms of culture. It's, all, it's a human condition.
0: Yeah. The shoulds, you've mentioned the word should a couple of times. And I see that as sometimes being dangerous because if you're not doing anything about these shoulds, it goes back to that's what's creating anxiety for someone. Oh, I should be doing this. I should reorganize my kitchen. I should yeah. look yeah. at sending my kid to summer camp. It's it, that's that, you, creates you, that you, angst. you may have
1: seen the sign that says, I will not should on myself today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's so key. It just always circles back to what's on your mind and and not judging that and just getting getting clear and noting things down, I think, you know, you, you we keep mentioning the example of oh when does when when something like getting dog food pops into your head, and an example or something you touched on in the book is whenever you think about doing something like that, oh I need to get dog food. Your mind thinks that you should be doing it right at that point. So even yeah. if it is three in the morning and you wake up, your mind stresses because it feels like that's what you should be doing right now and it's like you can't directly tell your mind hey calm down the store is not open right now you know
1: right yeah no if you're you know your mind's just a crappy office Mm -hmm. uh, as you've probably seen you know my my one big axiom is your your head's for having ideas but not for holding them Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because if you're trying to hold them in your head to your point it has it has no sense of past or future. So it thinks you should be doing all that all the time. And that's the source of the ambient anxiety that most people are experiencing. Yeah. It's all that stuff that they, there's a part of them subliminally. They consciously and rationally, they I can't go get dog food at three o'clock in the morning. But that, you know, to your point, <laughs> your mind doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. So if it's only in there. Now you can trick your mind. Actually, you you can. There is a way. Like if you get a shower of thought, there's a way you can get stuff off your mind, in your mind, and that's by imagining yourself being at the place that you could write it down and mm. keep track of it appropriately. Like that. So that some part of your mind goes, okay, when I walk back into that environment, I will be reminded of that, and I'll write it down and uh, I'll I'll track it. But that's pretty subtle stuff. You know, that's kind of California. You know, mm-hmm. but it actually works yeah. your mind, the, way, the way your mind works. But see, your mind and now cognitive research has proven that you don't have to finish things to get them off your mind. You need to have a plan and have a reminder of what to do about that plan in the right place. And then it's off your mind. Mm-hmm. They've proven that now. And I discovered that 35 years ago, you know, with this methodology, just because I like a clear head. Mm-hmm. I discovered, hey, when you do these things, that keeps your head clear.
0: Yeah. And making sure that you trust yourself too. If you put something on your calendar, are you someone who allows yourself to just not do it? And and there's no consequence for that. You have talked about making your calendar sacred ground. And so I think that there's a level of trusting yourself that needs to happen for you to to get clear and to, to, to trust where you put things. Am I going to come back to this? You know, if it's something... Well, I don't want to do it right now. And you talk about a someday maybe list. Is that something that's just going to get buried in your Evernotes because you don't have a process of sorting through them? Or is it something that you trust yourself to come back to at the appropriate time?
1: Yay. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. You're a smart guy, Jay. Well, thank you. you one,
0: one other, one other thing I wanted to make sure we touched on is, is this is something I, I try to come back to a lot. We've talked about the aspect of boredom and how important that is to getting, you know, letting things come to the surface that are important. And you talk about taking breaks and where I'm going is one of the challenges that I face and that I know that a lot of people face with technology is the fact that we're always connected. So if you sleep with your phone right next to you and it's your alarm, then you might be notified about things from the moment you fall asleep to the moment you wake up. So for me, one piece of advice I always try to give people is to get a real alarm clock Put your phone away at night, not get on it first thing in the morning. But I'm curious how you would address someone who struggles with that constant sense of connection so they're unable to give themselves a break mentally. And even if someone does give themselves a break, sometimes that can take the form of, okay, I'm going to get on Instagram or Twitter for five minutes, but that's just further connection. So, how would you go about allowing someone to have that time for boredom, for free thinking, for? Those shower thoughts, besides the ten minutes you're showering every day, well,
1: most people are are, are living in a I'm not caught up mode, mm-hmm. and you know, you know, uh, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. The truth is, if you actually cleaned up all your backlog on a regular basis, you don't need to be constantly checking. I don't need to constantly check my phone or even my email because it's all zeroed out every every 24 to 48 hours. They can reach me if they need to reach me. If they know how to do that. And so I give myself the freedom, but you don't have that freedom if you don't apply this methodology. So you've got all this ambient stuff banging around in your brain and you don't want to miss anything. And there's this constant checking of everything as well as the fear of missing out. So, Obviously, the more you know, technology really hasn't changed so much since the word processor and the spreadsheet, except speed, volume, and connectivity. So, you, Jake, you're getting a whole lot more stuff faster in a greater, you know, and, and through more different channels than you ever did in your life than any, anybody ever did. Right. So, that just produces the challenge of making sure you're focused on what's important to you. And why do I need to pay attention to that? Right. And again, most people are paying attention to things because they're, they're just walking around in this ambient anxiety and I I can't miss anything. Oh my God. Uh, I don't want to, whatever. But if you actually cleaned up your backlog to zero, like I do regularly, I don't, I, don't, I go for walks without my phone. I mean, it's nice to have my phone because so I can take, take pictures of my dog when I want to,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, or a GPS in case I ever need that. I stick it on the bike, you know, uh, but Otherwise, you know, I only do work when I'm sitting here in my workstation and, uh, and then I pay attention to all that stuff so I can clean it up and, and, and handle it. So right before I got online with you, you know, I just cleaned up my email to zero. Mm-hmm. I got one kind of ugly email I have to deal with. So I'm going to deal with that, you know, as soon as we get off. hmm but, but otherwise, otherwise it's all clean and clear. So I'm not distracted. I'm not in this constant distracted mode where I have to try to stay connected to everything all the time. And it depends on your job, you know, come on, if yeah. you're, if you're an emergency person, a first responder, you know, uh, of any sort, you have to pay attention to, to whatever's going on, at least while you're available right? all the time. That's your, that's the nature of your job.
0: Mm-hmm. So that brings up a tangible example you mentioned having an ugly email you have to deal with. So what what is what is the process for you in you're obviously very present and very calm and focused during this interview. What is the process for you when you know that you have something like that? that you're going to have to deal with and not letting it affect your ability to be present or weigh on your mind is it just the fact that you you really trust yourself to know you're going to deal with it appropriately afterwards and that's yep. enough
1: that's enough i can let my life really kind of fall apart and many mm-hmm. times i do you know at least temporarily because i know i know how to fix it fast and i will so that's part of having a trusted system is having a trusted behavior with your system mhm so, as long as I trust myself that I'll, I will know how to deal with that, then I don't have to deal with that or even have that on my mind right now. Yeah. That's why those things are in appropriate places that I know I need to clean up. So, I have the habit of cleaning up my email to zero and my physical in-basket to zero. So, anything that's thrown in there, as ugly as they are, I know I'll tackle. It mm-hmm. may not be fun, and I'm not necessarily looking forward to what I have to do to deal with that email.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but uh but it will get done so that's why i'm not even i've been thinking about so long that we just talked about Mm -hmm. that that's like okay well what else is yeah yeah that's there
0: yeah it just i think that you you can't overstate how powerful it is to build appropriate systems you've you've touched on the individuality of the getting things done system a few times what's weighing on your mind what's coming at you from your point of view it's it, it really embodies that individuality and not judging what's important to you, and so I think if you build in, you know, I do this every, like you said, 24 to 48 hours. I have a weekly review. I have a a morning and nightly routine. Stuff like that, if it's implemented appropriately, is is I think the biggest key that I found in attaining more of a sense of being able to be present.
1: Sure, and that's why you mentioned the weekly review, As you as you may have seen as you've started mm-hmm. to implement GTD. That's the the toughest and most important habit to change mm-hmm. or to install is to make sure that once a week you get current. Yeah. And kind of pull up, pull up the rear guard. Yeah. You know, and get everything back to current and complete and clear again. Mm-hmm. Because you know, life is messy. Yeah, come on, you know, it, it's there's stuff I still probably need to do. Actually, I did a weekly review just uh, this morning, so yeah, it's all pretty pretty clean and clear. But because I know I do that. There's a part of me that gives me a lot more freedom during the week to not have Mm -hmm. to worry too much about my priorities. Yeah. And pretty much trust my intuitive judgments about what to do and what not to do. Because I know I I thought before
0: and I'm going to think again. And that's plenty. I put a checklist actually into my into my Evernotes that I've I've changed it throughout time, but reading your book made me really focus on getting getting clear about that checklist. And it's it's literally just called my weekly review and in line with getting things done it has really high rung important things and sort of minutia sort of stuff on there too i always take one day to clean up my place and do my laundry and so i don't have to think about that you know i don't look at a full laundry laundry basket and say oh shit when am i going to do that it's like it gets done on saturday or sunday the same time I, I clean up my space but also on that list i have things like you know call one or two family or friends so that because again, back to that values, keeping close ties in my relationships is important. So for me, I think that, like I said, it's all about that individuality. Some of the things on there, someone else might think is silly. Like I always make all my food for the week on that same day too. If someone's value is getting to cook every day and really liking to make delicious meals, maybe they would think that's silly, but it goes back to that individuality. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Good work so one last question here i have uh before yeah
1: i've never had anybody say this is the last question and it'd be the last question but that's okay we'll see
0: we'll see (laughs) so um i just wanted to touch on you literally wrote the book on getting things done but i'm curious what struggles you still have or what things you are continuing to work on improving because as is natural for the human condition, there's always things that we're working on refining, even if, you know, at this point, obviously you've, you've learned to deal with it so that it's not a stress. But what things are you sort of working on refining in your own productivity? Well,
1: uh, it, it's, an in, it's a good question. But interestingly, because I trust the process, I'm always refining uh, the content.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: using the process. So, you know, life is changing. So there's no system. Systems can't be static. They have to be constantly changing as your life changes. So as my life changes, I have to keep constantly reassessing what do I need to keep track of, what goes on someday, maybe which ones are important now, which ones are post pandemic, which ones, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. So I'm, I have to keep working the system. I'm a fellow student. So I just define what the game is that I'm still playing, but I'm not going to stop playing this game. I still have to play it. So it's like we use the surfing analogy. Look, I'm on the surfboard. We fall off the surfboard. But if you have an ankle tether so so you don't lose your board, you can get back on real quick, allows you to surf bigger waves. So that's my constant challenge is not the change in the methodology, but just making sure that I'm staying current with my own practices because my life keeps changing. So I can't just rest on my laurels and say well because the way i organized before i don't have to do any more of that no Mm -hmm. i have to i have to constantly keep doing wiki reviews i have to constantly keep looking at what i'm doing yeah and and saying is that the right thing to do or
0: not new times are obviously always creating new challenges and new opportunities and so
1: yeah i got an ugly framework i gotta deal with
0: (laughs) having that framework is, is huge though it's it's like it's it's the constant in the world of of change.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, it's like any art or craft. You know, how good can you get at fencing? How good can you get at cooking spaghetti? How good can you get at parenting? How good can you get at surfing? How good can you get at playing chess? How good could you get at playing the flute? How good can you get at doing podcasts? Mm-hmm. There's no, you don't get to some end of that. These are. Yeah. And GDD is the same thing. It's a, it's an art and craft about the, light, the you know, about the, the craft of work. Most people just work; they don't really think about how they work, you know, and what work and, and what the art of work doing work is. And that's what GDD did, did was sort of define what the game and the craft and the art of work really is.
0: Yeah, and we've and
1: talked. So you're, you're, ne- you're never going to end that until you die.
0: Yeah, and we've talked about the alignment of your methodology with the natural human condition i think at the same time we we as humans are hardwired to never be fully satisfied and so i think if you don't let that overtake you and stress you out it can really be a positive thing and like oh, sure. you said let's i want to get better at this i want to get better at this it's it's kind of like another another paradox in you're you're never satisfied but you're still happy with yourself because you know that that's just the way that things are and you have this yes, well, improve
1: if you want to get to real being you need to be doing
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: because that's what the nature of this game is to your point we're here to do something to expand to express to to whatever and if you didn't have any challenges or obstacles you'd never get there so those things are all good things yeah, yeah usually in retrospect, but it's kind of nice when you start to recognize those as they come up as a cool thing, as opposed to, Oh my God, another problem.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That says it right there. Well, David, I know that our time's up, but again, I just want to say, I really appreciate you coming on. I love your book. It's getting things done. I would recommend it to anyone. We've mentioned how it can improve the life of anyone, no matter what your vocation, no matter age, whatever variable there is, you can definitely benefit from the getting things done methodology.
1: Jake, thanks for the invitation. This was fun. Yeah. Good interview.
0: Yay. Hey, it's Jake again. If this podcast provided you any value, I'd encourage you to share it with someone who you think might enjoy it. In addition, it'd really help me out a lot if you would go and subscribe or leave a review for my podcast. It's super easy. And in addition, if you have any questions or comments, I'd love for you to reach out to me by email or Instagram DM, which can both be found on my website. Thanks.